0: Good morning, Rise and Freedom. How's everybody doing today? Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Click that like button. And if today's your first time watching the Wake Up America show and you enjoy the content, make sure you subscribe before you leave today. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. All right. Time to roll up the sleeves and get some work done. Spin our hands. Let's rock and roll. We got a lot to talk about today. Mitch McConnell is out. No, he's not stepping down fully. He's not retiring from the U.S. Senate. Uh you know, I know. Don't get your hopes up. He's just retiring as the current Senate minority leader, leaving a power vacuum for Russia to fill. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk. <laughs> We're going to have a uh, lot to talk about this morning with Jennifer Bukowski when she joins us. She is a liberty legislator, not excuse me, legislator, liberty lawyer, libertarian lawyer, lives here in mid-Missouri. She's going to talk to us this morning about the Supreme Court deciding on Trump's immunity case. Supreme Court's going to say if Donald Trump has to stand trial in a 2020 election. Conspiracy case! Oh my God! Dad, youth. <laughs> I'm going a little low there, Bruce. Burst whistle, burst burst whistle. I'll turn it up for you. How's that? A little bit higher, a little bit louder. a little bit down. <laughs> it's the Wake Up America show. Oh, now you got me paranoid, Bruce. Hold on one second yeah. <laughs> I You turn that sucker way up. How's that? Nice and loud now. (laughs) I always appreciate the band, the live band playing for us this morning. You guys were killing it there. You guys are already being hilarious over in the chat. I still can't believe Glitch McConnell hadn't caught on with Trump yet. Not bad one, Flo (laughs) B. Hey, what you doing? You want to have your voice heard on the show? Yes, I do try and read the comments, but I can't always. Why don't you just tickle those little numbers down there at the bottom of the screen if you'd like to say hello. Oh, goodness. Right there. 573-319-1586. Right there. There you go. There's the five. You know, give them a little touch right there. Oh, yes. You know how to do that right there. 573 319 one five eight six. Oh, you know I like it. You know how I like to do that. Welcome to the Wake Up America show where things get a little bit weird. It's a lot of fun and we do it five days a week. Tomorrow's Friday, of course. So that means that we've got uh my lovely smoking hot redheaded pregnant libertarian wife Steffi coming in. It's got
1: gonna...
0: little baby on the way. Uh today at 830, however, we're gonna speak to Daniela Pensack. It is Thirsty Thursday after all. It might be a bit loud now, says Steffi. All right, let me pull it down just a little bit. Okay, there we go. Um, <coughs> mommy says, I need to seriously order your strongest coffee from when I'm awake for two nights in a row. Good idea. There you go. That's not a bad idea. Uh, the Wake Up America show is sponsored by uh, viewers and listeners like you. We don't really have a sponsor. I'm my sponsor. So check out ap4libertyshop.com where you can get some of that delicious Founding Flavors coffee. Okay. Uh da, 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 da. Yes, yeah, some uh, Mommy says that I sound fine on her side, but the, she's on a computer. Sometimes it does matter if you're listening to us on a phone versus a computer. Sometimes it's your fault, Bruce Burt whistle. Yeah. All right. But before we talk about all the serious stuff in the news today, Danielle Pensack's going to talk to us about Dr. Phil uh, blasting the ladies on The View over the lockdowns, which is beautiful. Maybe I'll talk to us us about that. Um, I've got a whole ton of... um, There you go. I have got a whole ton of awesome clips for you this morning, per usual, to keep you updated on the news. All right, I need to stop reading your comments. I hear it's distracting me. Donald Trump shared this video on his official Instagram page. I kid you not. Uh, I know it's a tiny little square there but i can't help it instagram decides that you want to read comments on instagram more than you want to actually see the content on instagram so here is uh the video that donald trump shared of joe biden on the tarmac
1: call us for my special caring touch visiting angels care so much visiting angels america's choice in home care <laughs>
0: Disney, angels, America's. I probably watched this clip this morning ten times, so I'll let you see it at least twice. Uh, this is Joe Biden the tarmac. Keep in mind, a a former and future president of the United States posted this on his Instagram account. Now, I remember when I ran for president in 2016, uh, and the libertarians at the convention were like, "We're like Austin. He's an internet troll. He posts things on his internet that people would see as non-presidential." And then this bastard gets elected, and I'm like, See, I told you, you stupid mother... You know what I'm saying? i good. Here we go, one more time.
1: Call us for a special caring touch. Visiting angels care so much. Visiting angels. America's choice in home care.
0: I mean, For the love of God, that's hilarious. good. <laughs> Well, why are we talking about Joe Biden's mental fitness? Well, it's because, uh, according to CNN.com, Biden's doctors say there are no new concerns with the president's health and he remains fit to serve. Sure. Sure, he does. President Joe Biden is fit for duty, reports CNN. His doctor reported Wednesday following his annual physical, not a cognitive test, but his annual physical. Yes. Uh, the uh, president's, The president's doctor says, this Now, now I'm, I'm going to read this sentence to you, and I want you to tell me where's the scam, okay? I'm going to read this, this, this little paragraph here, and I want you to tell me what the scam is, okay? Let's see. Dr. Kevin O'Connor said in a memo that there are no new concerns with the president's health revealed by this year's physical. The White House said earlier Wednesday no cognitive test was administered, as O'Connor did not find it necessary. Okay. Okay, where's the scam? In this okay I'm going to read to you the first sentence again uh, see so if we'll narrow it down dr. Kevin O'Connor said in a memo that there are quote no new concerns with the president's health revealed by this year's physical there you go there you go no new concerns okay no now if I change the phrasing a little bit put a little different uh, emphasis on a, di- on a different uh, word um uh, no new concerns. No new concerns, huh? Okay, now we got our noggins thinking. No new concerns. Okay. He says, President Biden is a healthy, active, robust 81-year-old male who remains fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency to include those as chief executive, head of state, and commander-in-chief. Sure, he does. No new concerns. Yes, everything's peachy keen over at the White House. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh he could never approach the level of memology of our former president.
1: Call us for a special caring touch. Visiting angels care so much. Visiting angels, America's choice in home care.
0: Uh, here's the guy with no new concerns.
2: Oh, yeah. <sighs>
1: Uh,
2: anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I mean, maybe change my words. I
0: was just thinking, uh, uh, anyway,
2: I, I just, fuck, I
0: mean,
2: the Putin's Kleptokratic, it's like,
0: yeah. Uh, Who's a speech writer that would put, would put a word like that in there for an 81-year-old man? I mean, listen, I, I tend to be a well, uh, well-spoken individual, but when I'm 81 years old, if I'm still giving speeches at 81 years old, don't put kleptocracy in my speeches. What are you, some kind of moron? It's almost like they're trying to make him fail. Se- 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 no, no, January, after a election no. the late
2: January, early February. He said, uh, "It's not. We need uh, not just. Uh, well, I won't quit now. Like, here's
0: what: visiting home care, America's choice in home care. Sad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: call us for a special caring touch. Visiting angels care. So- America's choice in
0: home care. care. God bless America. God bless America. That can be defined in a single word. I was a foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Oh, that's all right. Don't worry. The country's in good hands. Because if Joe Biden has to step down for some reason or is uh, unable to uh, execute his duties faithfully while in office, we do have a vice president. You
3: know, I was recently with a bunch of um, faith leaders and I said, you know, So, oh, and no. I, I
1: said to the, the
3: preachers who were there you know during announcements on sunday at church could you could you perhaps ask people to stand up and say who got their student loan um forgiven because so many have
0: <laughs> you know that's amazing see she's all of a sudden developed a southern accent well done there um mm-hmm. isn't that amazing whatever i mean whenever the democrats start to affect an accent whenever they're in front of blacks especially what was that um, that video of Hillary Clinton? Was it when she got up in front of like a black church and she talked about having hot sauce in her purse or something like that? She like started affecting a Southern accent and stuff like that. It's just, it's just so blatant. Here she is talking about uh, something that actually kind of made me smile. Take a listen to this. Proudly talking about. There you go. Hold on. Turn up volume AP. Here we go.
3: We are proudly talking about equity, even though these people on the, uh, you know, so-called leaders want to shut down DEI. They're trying to they're trying to do with DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, what they sadly successfully did with woke.
0: <laughs> yeah, baby love of goodness. Acknowledgment of conservatarian, libertarian, conservative, right wing populist victories. God bless America. They're trying to do with DEI, she says, what they sadly, successfully did with woke. Again, successfully is her word, that we've been successful in turning it into a naughty little dirty word. God damn, that makes me happy. Doesn't that make you happy? If you're happy and you know it, click the like. If you're happy and you know it, click the like. If you're happy and you know it, then your like will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, click that like. God bless you. All right, but do I make you laugh? Do I amuse you? All right, there's a lot to talk about today. Mitch McConnell's decision to step down as leader of the Senate Republicans has kicked off an unpredictable months-long race now uh, to succeed in. This is a contest that could signal what type of chamber Republicans want. I vote Senator Rand Paul. Now, he was the longest-serving Senate chief in party history. Wednesday, he said he'd quit his post when the next leader is elected. Now, there are a trio of his allies in leadership that are expected to step in to fill the gap. Potentially, Senator John Thune of South Dakota, John Cornyn of Texas, and John Barrasso of Wyoming. They are seen as his most likely successors. And if you don't know too much about these three, in my opinion, the most conservative or the one who is closest to the ideals that people who watch this show are likely to have would be Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming. He's a medical doctor, and he's always been fairly good on conservative issues, uh, especially fiscal conservatism. Um, although not perfect, and certainly we would love to see somebody a little bit more actual conservative on the right to to come in. But that, they just you can't get into those positions of leadership in, unless you're a sell sellout, statist, authoritarian. Just just because. Those are the kind of people who get things done and, you know, pass the military and uh, industrial complexes, defense bills and agriculture bills and, you know, all those pork barrel bills that bring them the bacon home that are the actual way that the sausage gets made in Washington, D.C. It's a sad reality. It's the truth. Uh, And, you know, you the best we might be able to do in a realistic situation would maybe to to be to get Senator John Barrasso. Uh, Until we get enough people in the uh, elected office who are true conservatives, or uh, if not conservatives, at least, you know, libertarian leaning, perhaps like Rand Paul and others, we're just, we're going to have to do the best we can out of these picks. Out of these three picks, in my opinion, John Barrasso would be the best. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You can send us a text today at 573-319-1586. 319-1586. 319-1586. Yes, that's right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the battle will be like to, to replace him. Senator Mitch McConnell is out, and I say... C'est la vie. Au revoir. A bientôt. Um, Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> Now, if you could say something nice about Senator Mitch McConnell, the one thing that I really appreciated about him was that he was a good influence on Donald Trump for his Supreme Court picks. Now, when Donald Trump was president, he relied heavily on Mitch McConnell and the Federalist Society in order to vet who would be the potentially uh, best uh, Supreme Court picks when um, Donald Trump had that opportunity to make those selections. So that was at least one good point in, uh, one good point in, uh, Mitch McConnell's, uh, corner. And he was tough. He was a very tough negotiator. There was a reason why he managed to get it to that, uh, uh that point. But, um, I, I wonder what you think about this. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's five, seven, three, three, one, nine, one, five, eight, six. One of our listeners, our buddy Caleb sent us a text this morning and he was asking a question. If rumble is foobar this morning, um, I don't know if you all are experiencing similar issues so far. It looks to be stream, looks to be uh, streaming. Okay. This morning, but we'd love to get some feedback from you. Drop some comments in the chat or send us a text. If you notice any anomalies, we'd be uh, glad to hear from you this morning. Uh, Mitch McConnell is out. Who could be next? Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The um, story just uh, flew across my radar this morning. I was excited to see this, and it's a good conversation, especially for people like us. Like, If you're more of a libertarian Republican like myself, then you're no big fan of the war on drugs. You'd like to see us move away from the current criminalization of drugs and more towards something that's like uh, treating drug addicts as patients. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on that. But San Francisco poised to start drug testing welfare recipients. In liberal Mecca, frustrated voters are likely to pass a pair of law and order ballot measures. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, This is actually a contentious subject, especially amongst liberty circles, limited government types like myself, who are very anti-drug war. Because the question of whether or not you should drug test welfare recipients, on the one hand, you say, hey, you're taking my taxpayer dollars, you're taking uh, my money, you ought to be getting your life in order, not spending money. If you're getting welfare dollars and you're buying drugs, you shouldn't be allowed to take my tax dollars and then use it to go and buy drugs, for example, right? However, on the other side of things, you don't want to uh, encourage the war on drugs even more, and so these are the kind of the two. This is the two sides of the debate that we sort of have in Liberty World about these things. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, yeah, frustrated voters in San Francisco who are tired of stepping over all the poop and the needles are actually uh, pushing a pair of ballot initiatives that might take action on this. So. You know, the, people are only going to tolerate so much crime and disorder before they finally start to uh, vote for more law and order candidates, and you love to see it. Mighty Megatron asked, who would you endorse to replace Glitch McConnell? It's a great question.
1: <laughs>
0: and thank you for the uh, dollar tip. Now that means that we've started the process of unlocking the bonus content for today. bonus <clears throat> content. I'm very excited about today's bonus content because... The last couple of days, I know that the people that I, uh, introduced to you were far less familiar, but today's hero of Liberty is someone that I think you are at least going to know their name. And if you don't know much about them, you will by the end of the show, if we unlock the bonus content, how does the bonus content work AP? Well, this is how the bonus content works. If by the end of the show, we raise either $50 in Rumble Ram donations, like our buddy Blue Drake just donated $1. So we're a dollar down, 49 more to go. If we raise $50 by the end of the show, either in donations or in purchases from AP4libertyshop.com, those qualify as well. If you buy some coffee, buy a t shirt, buy a hoodie, buy a custom metal sign, uh, what have you, a um, uh, coffee mug, whatever then it works towards the total of $50. And if we raise $50, you unlock this week's special bonus content, which I have lovingly produced and crafted for you. I think today's might be one of the best I've done. Uh, one of the heroes of liberty for this week's bonus content. So if you would like to see this bonus content unlocked, and today's I think you will really be excited to see. I was happy producing it and having so much fun last night putting it together. If you would like to unlock that bonus content today, and find out who is one of the five heroes of liberty from this week's content, then make a Rumble rant donation by uh uh, uh uh by the end of the show or purchase something from ap4libertyshop.com, get yourself some delicious coffee, buy a couple boxes of coffee and we're pretty much already there uh to the uh, donation total. Um yeah, and like I said, today's is is awesome and I think you will really love it. So so back to the topic at hand, San Francisco might start drug testing welfare uh, recipients. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Voiders, uh, voters, voiders. voters, yo. Vo- voters in this famously progressive city appear poised to pass a pair of law and order ballot measures. And this is coming up this Tuesday. Uh, uh, Proposition F would mandate drug screening for recipients of public benefits, while Proposition E would expand police surveillance tools and reduce oversight of the force. Interesting. So a recent poll conducted by the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce found 61% of likely voters support the two-ballot measure, and 72% believe San Francisco is on the right track. You're waking up, San Francisco. Stay classy, San Francisco. Um, The pendulum is swinging, says Malcolm White's. He's a 41-year-old San Francisco native who plans to vote yes on both. It's coming back hardcore to the center. Now, get this. White's runs a cannabis store. He said he voted for the former district attorney, Chesa Budin, who was the face of the progressive prosecutor movement in 2019, but then voted to remove him in a successful recall in 2022. Boy, things are messed up out there. Budin's ouster, as well as the recall of that same year, three school board members, when critics accused them of giving priority to social justice issues over post-pandemic campus reopenings, were the first signs San Francisco voters were starting to fall out of love with the left. You love to see it. Blue Trike over in the chat says, absolutely drug test welfare recipients, because being off drugs would help them get jobs and get off welfare but we should also drug test politicians and bureaucrats amen
2: blue
0: trike you and i we gotta hang out sometime we gotta hang out sometime now hiccup one says we need some drugs this place bites also sure (laughs) But if you're going to be on drugs, you're going to be on drugs with your own money. And if you're going to wreck your life and you're going to go get addicted to drugs, then you shouldn't be on the public dole. You should have to go and ask people for drugs at a college party like all the rest of us normal people did when we were in college. Now, listen, do I think that adults should be able to go and purchase black tar heroin within reasonable restraints? Certainly I do. Uh, I am a libertarian Republican. But at the end of the day, I can't I'm not going to deny the fact that You shouldn't do these horrible, awful things to your body. You shouldn't smoke cigarettes. You shouldn't do a lot of evil, terrible things. You shouldn't be drinking alcohol. There's a lot of shoulda, shoulda, shouldas that I believe. Doesn't mean that I think the government should step in and say, you will, you will, you will do this. But let's be honest. When you look at San Francisco and it's becoming such a a trash hole in the United States and tourists are afraid to go there and it's a dangerous city and crime is on the rise, and the school board cares more about social justice than they do actually opening up the schools after the pandemic, even people like this 41-year-old White's character who owns a cannabis shop are going to recall these progressive prosecutors. They're going to vote to recall these school board members. And even though they own a cannabis shop, they're going to vote to ensure that people who are on welfare benefits aren't using those welfare benefits to go in there and buy drugs. And that's amazing because Literally, White's is voting to say, okay, well, I'm going to say that people who get welfare money aren't going to be able to go use that money to come in and spend money on my shop. I say good on you, sir. Good on you, sir. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. I noticed we got a lot of spammers in the chat today. Hey. Don't do that. Uh, if you would like to advertise in my Rumble chat, then you have to contact us, reach out to us, send me a text at the text number on that screen. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. All right. Well, Jennifer Bukowski is getting a lawyer. She's an Esquire on fire. She's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. She's going to explain to us the Supreme Court hearing the case about Trump's immunity from prosecution over a 2022 election conspiracy theory. It's just a nightmare. Talk about that when we get back on The Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com.
1: <laughs>
0: Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to The Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Over 213 people watching us live. Thank you for being here. Whenever we've got over 200 people watching the show, I, I like can chill out a little bit. I feel a lot more comfortable like... I feel like, oh, the Wake Up America show is doing great. We're growing like crazy. We're building new audience members. We're making lots of new friends. I love seeing all the new names and faces in the chat. People like Erz mommy and Bruce Whistle and all the new friends that have been joining us regularly. It's great to see that the audience is growing because I get an opportunity to make friends, and to share with you the ideas and the principles that I love. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central time, and we always bring you the absolute best guests, clips, topics, and of course, the best hosts. (laughs) I don't know if my next guest has ever been introduced to you all before, and you know what? Shame on me. I deserve a boo, because she should be here with us more. She's one of the best, uh, most high-profile libertarians in the state of Missouri. She goes by Esquire on Fire on Twitter, where you can follow her handle there. She's a big Trump supporter. She used to kind of give me crap because I wasn't a big Trump person. And then one day when I said, all right, I'm voting for Donald Trump, she gave me a beautiful Trumpy glass in commemoration. She's going to talk to us a little bit about the former and future President Trump right now. Joining us live, Jennifer Bukowski. Morning, Jennifer. How are you today?
4: Good morning, Austin. Great to be here with you.
0: It's nice to have you here, Jennifer. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're glad to have a little bit of your time. Uh, Give us a little bit of uh, an overview and uh, and your analysis of the Supreme Court taking up this case about whether or not Donald Trump should stand trial or receive immunity for his comments uh, regarding the 2020 election.
4: Well, the Democrats and Special Counsel Jack Smith, their entire goal by bringing this case has been to make the 2024 election about January 6th. They want, at the height of our election to have nothing but footage of arguably Trump's worst moment of his presidency on January 6th. And Trump was president of the United States on January 26th. I think people kind of forget that. So the argument here is that He was charged with four counts relating to January 6th, and the argument is he has presidential immunity. So he raised this at the trial court level. Trial court denied the motion. He took it up to the D.C. Court of Appeals. They denied that appeal, and uh, now the Supreme Court has set this for arguments on April 22nd. Now, this is good in a way because they were trying to have this trial start the day before Super Tuesday next week. Uh, to really throw a wrench in things. Now, like the timeline is probably more like an October trial date is uh, basically what the earliest you could expect this to go. But that wouldn't be ideal because that's obviously weeks before the election. And uh, the argument is that the president has to have protection from Criminal prosecution by his political rivals. Otherwise, they'll be stymied in office. He won't be able to make decisions if he has to worry about wrongful prosecutions. Unless this is what Trump's attorneys argue, there is a mechanism for uh, charging a president criminally. But first, you have to use what the Constitution has put into place, which is impeach him and convict him in the Senate. The House did file like, the impeachment after the January 6th debacle. But the Senate, which was 50-50 at the time, if you'll recall, Kamala was the deciding vote back then. They didn't proceed to have a trial and convict him. And they say, hey, last time you argued he's not president anymore, so it's the point of having a trial. But his lawyers now are like, look, this is necessary if you want presidents to be able to make decisions and not worry about persecution by political rivals afterwards. So uh, we have to wait and see what happens here. The Supreme Court, I'll note, also has taken up a case that would apply to one of the four of these, I've got printouts of the, oh, there's so many freaking indictments of Trump that I've got them on my desk still. But one of the four accounts, the one that carries 20 years, is an obstruction, count three, obstruction and an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. 300 January 6th um, defendants, including have been charged with this and it was passed in 2002 as like a financial crimes thing. They're arguing it isn't applicable here. The Supreme Court also in December agreed to take that up. So that would just apply to one of the four counts that has been brought here in a novel way by Jack Smith. And one thing that is not in this indictment is an insurrection Austin. So that's a kind of related topic, but he's not ever been charged with an insurrection and that ties into the Colorado and Maine cases where they tried to take him off the ballot.
0: Jennifer, uh, how do you feel about the president's argument that he posted on Truth Social? He says that a president will not be able to properly function or make decisions in the best interest of the United States of America. As you said, presidents will always be concerned and even paralyzed by the prospect of wrongful prosecution and retaliation after they leave office. Do you think that that argument has merit, Jennifer?
4: I do. I mean, we've seen President Trump uh, prosecuted and persecuted in extraordinary and novel ways. I mean, if you look at the civil case, Letitia James is brought against him in New York, or the RICO case that Bonnie Willis is brought against him in Georgia; those would be two notable. And the Stormy Daniels like hush money payments case, the criminal case in New York; uh, those are all just novel and uh, un, I think, foreseen sorts of cases uh, that Trump is now facing that are in the library, basically violation one down at the Mar-a-Lago one in Florida. So I do think that it does carry some merit but on the another hand, They're going to cite extreme examples like murdering someone on fifth Avenue. Do you think that he should get away with that? And Basically their argument is yes. Like I could send a team of seals to murder my political rival. And unless you impeach me and convict me, I can still run for office, and I think the Trump attorneys can say, you know, who else gets to decide whether or not he can say, you know, come back to office or whatever is the voters, you know. They, they have that, plus Congress has also has uh, this mechanism in place to prevent a wildly unlawful president, so there are checks in place already on the presidency, and the presidency is just so important that you need to maintain this presidential immunity. But we don't have a lot of immunity cases in the law, so it'll be some novel issues for the Supreme Court to take up.
0: Yeah, certainly. And it, we are looking at what could potentially be a constitutional crisis with the possibility that if Trump is convicted and sentenced, then he could be governing from a jail cell. Um, I, I would definitely tune in for that. But uh, before we get to that, I'd like to just remind our audience who are uh, tuning in right now, don't forget to click that like and subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing right now. I'm speaking to Jennifer Bukowski. She is another Missouri uh, Missourian like myself. She's a libertarian lawyer, also known as Esquire on Fire. You should definitely follow her over at x.com, at E-S-Q-O-N-F-I-R-E, Esquire on Fire. I saw my buddy uh, Quest was dropping your handle in the chat. We appreciate that very much. Uh, so, Jennifer, the timing of all of these cases is... Well, I, I think really interesting. The Democrats are upset that this case, for example, is going to be delayed by a few months. But I mean, all of this comes down to the November election. What are we looking at here in terms of the timing of this case? Could a sentencing actually be carried out by the time that he is potentially reelected? If so, what are the implications of that?
4: Well, there's no constitutional prohibition of having elected an elected president behind bars i mean nelson mandela is in bars that's not our country but if there's it's not without world precedent either and uh you just have to be 35 years old and a resident the last 12 years and uh, a citizen of the united states and a naturally born citizen and that's it so he could theoretically be behind bars i don't know how that would work with secret service i certainly if i had to go to prison would like to have secret service there with me but. uh, Uh, this case, though, would go away should he be elected because he could pardon himself. As would be the case for the Mar-a-Lago Ridiculous Documents case that they have. Biden did the same thing, and uh, they had that report released, and they said, oh, but he's too feeble-minded for us to file charges, even though he also had, for 40 years, uh, uh, secured documents that had the classified markings on them. So, uh, that case is also one that he could excuse himself from. So the Eric Adams one in New York, that's the Stormy Daniels. Trump didn't properly do his own accounting records of that. It's the most ridiculous. Because who is he like defrauding himself when he's making his book entries? It's not really a crime. Um, and that's a very novelly applied one. I don't know how much jail time that one even calls for if he were to be convicted of it. But now that this trial has been put on the back burner, the one Jack Smith really wanted at the height of the election, they're going to proceed to trial with that in the next couple of months. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. He couldn't pardon himself from that one. But the one that everyone was worried about was the Fulton County, Georgia one, because he can't pardon himself from it. It carries significant prison time should he be convicted and like even the republican governor in georgia couldn't because of the way the georgia constitution is set up for the pardon power it goes to this board and everything else but that bonnie willis situation is in a total meltdown too and that has been fascinating to watch as a criminal defense attorney let me tell you when they have subpoenaed the prosecutor's phone records i've never that's never occurred to me to do to prove that they were, in fact, having a tryst and lied under oath about it. Uh, so that one has been interesting to watch, to say the least.
0: What do you think the outcome of that could be? If they prove that there's a tryst, they prove that she's lied under oath, but the Democrats just find somebody else to replace them, right?
4: They could, yeah. They they would have to have a special... If she gets disqualified, her office would probably be disqualified, too. And I don't know the exact mechanism in Georgia, but uh, usually, like, the Supreme Court... Or someone might be appointing the special prosecutor. But usually, actually in Missouri, the existing prosecutor, when they need a special one, but this is when they're already recusing themselves, they get some sort of say into who takes the reins next. And there was a report, it didn't get a lot of attention in Drudge, that there was like an overqualified, basically a spy for the Biden White House placed in her office. And it was kind of behind the scenes orchestrating this and making this case uh, happen to begin with. So I'm sure Democrats have plans in the works should Bonnie be disqualified, which we should know. uh, The judge will probably take this whole motion and all these days of hearings under advisement this weekend. And we should know probably early next week whether or not she's off the case.
0: Any predictions about what's going to happen in, in, in you know in the fall here, Jennifer? What do you think is the most likely outcome for President Trump in November?
4: It's it's so hard to say, uh, Allison. I'm not good at predicting election outcomes. Right now, it's looking like the polls are in Trump's favor, but he's been kind of underperforming on his polls in the last in Michigan. And uh, there have been Republican voters coming out not voting for Trump, even though he's the heir apparent. And I don't know if it's because people are like, what's the point of me going to go vote because it's already been decided. But he really needs to make sure to get all the Republicans out to the polls this November that he can. We have this no labels issue out there. We have Kennedy who had that commercial in the Super Bowl. He might uh, be a spoiler. We don't know for who. So it's really hard to say. It was a squeaker. I mean, it was something like 40,000 votes in a few different counties could have flipped the election last time. So it's hard to say. But with this doddering as Joe Biden is, if they really stick with him, Trump's got a strong shot. But as many people have been noting, they could maybe swap Biden out at the convention in August and then have a race where all of a sudden, oh, Gavin Newsom's. Kamala, we considered her, but it was the delegate's choice, and now it's Gavin. We could have something like that take place.
0: Sure, it is wild. I mean, if Donald Trump is convicted and goes to jail and wins the election, that is something of a constitutional crisis, is it not?
4: I would say, yeah. I mean, certainly, because you have the commander-in-chief buying bars in, like, what, Georgia? If Fulton County? Or, you know... Uh, it would be interesting, but he's a beaten in every case and everything they've thrown out of us. And he really has. He's got terrific lawyers. He's got a trio of brilliant Missouri lawyers on this case doing his appeals. Will Sharp, Michael Talent, and John Sauer. We'll have to see if he can run this gauntlet uh, like he ran the one in 2016 to get the nomination and everything else.
0: Jennifer, share with our listeners what you're up to these days. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug or uh, talk about before we let you go?
4: Gosh, I do a little bit of law practice, murder cases, uh, pro bono, and I uh, do a lot of fill-in work on the Zimmer stations uh, on for radio, and I'm on Gary Nolan every Tuesday at 1030 to 1130, uh, The Gary Nolan Show, which you can find uh, at 939 com if you want to listen online
0: absolutely well, we're all big fans of gary nolan here for sure we're speaking to jennifer bukowski also known as esquire on fire libertarian republican defense attorney and radio talker centrally located right here in the middle of missouri just like me jennifer thanks so much for being generous with your time this morning and offering us your insight we're very thankful to have you here
4: great to be here allison thank you
0: thank you Have a wonderful day what'd you guys think of jennifer bukowski Send us a text and let us know uh, on 573-319-1586. That's the text line, 573-319-1586. Love to hear your thoughts on what's happening in the world. Donald Trump shared this on his social media uh, account on Instagram yesterday.
1: Special caring touch. Visiting angels care so much. Visiting angels. America's choice in home care. Call us for...
0: Yes, that's Joe Biden going to Visiting Angels. There you go. <laughs> visiting Angels. America's choice in home care. Yes, the Wake Up America show brought to you by viewers and listeners like you. Don't forget that if you'd like to have the opportunity to see the bonus content today, you've got to unlock it. We've raised uh, $1 towards our $50 total. What? But you don't want to miss today's bonus content. If you don't unlock it by the end of the show, then it goes away forever. And would you really want to miss uh, one part of the five-part series of the Heroes no, of Liberty? God! No! Imagine God, if we get to the no, end of the week and no. we've got this five-part mini-documentary series and you only unlocked four out of five and you'll always wonder forever, who was the fifth person that was the hero of Liberty in this mini-documentary series? Wouldn't you like to know? I think you would. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to unlock that special bonus content, here's all you have to do. All you got to do is make either a donation through Rumble Rants, or you can make a purchase over at AP4LibertyShop.com. That's AP, the number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. There you go. You can see the little title right down there. Head on over and buy yourself maybe a box of Founding Flavors coffee. We've got hoodies. We've got uh, Afuera t-shirts. What's um? What are the big items in the shop this week? I've got a new little section. Oh, yeah, the Hot sellers this week. Javier Malay Fuera Shirt sure, so hot, right? I saw our buddy Ken this morning gave us a five-star review for our Madisonian morning light roast coffee. Well, thank you, Ken. Our very first review, it's our brand new blend of coffee. He says, this has quickly become my favorite coffee roast. Tastes great. Oh, yeah. Now you're addicted. <laughs> Get yourself a box of Founding Flavors coffee over at shop.com. The light roast is the most highly caffeinated. So if you are a caffeine addict like me, if you're a junkie, then head over to shop.com. Uh, a lot of people have signed up for our rewards program these days. And that is if you purchase from the shop a lot, uh, you get a point for every dollar that you spend. You spend, and the more you spend, then the more you save. So you're going to get coupons every time you hit a milestone for the shop for like $5 coupon, $10 coupon, $20 coupons. So the more you spend, the more coupons you get if you're a part of our rewards program. So isn't that neat? Yes. We're grateful to have you here on the Wake Up America show. Still to go, we've got Daniela Pensack who will be joining us this morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. She's going to talk to us today about um, the Dr. Phil appearing on The View uh, and reading the riot act over their support of lockdowns. How you love you. to see it. You got to know that they weren't liking that. The other day I had a conversation with uh, Inez Stepman, who wrote a piece in The Spectator about trad wives killed the girl boss age. It was a fantastic conversation that I thought you all would appreciate. Hearing again if you missed it, Porkchop159 uh, donated $10 saying finally android got rumble rants thank you very much uh i appreciate that if we raise um let's see that was 10 11 so yeah so we raised another what's 50 minus 11 i don't i'm in my head right now it's a little bit too early austin don't be so stupid if we raise 50 dollars by the end of the show then we'll unlock those thank you pork chop we appreciate that uh anyway so this conversation that i had with inez stepman really got a lot of people talking online about Uh, uh, The United States becoming a polygamous nation. Has the United States officially become a polygamous nation? Hang out, hang around, uh, stick around. Listen to my conversation with Inez Stepman about the United States trad wife movement and whether or not that's a good thing or bad thing for young ladies here in the United States. And enjoy the interview. I'll be right back on the Wake Up America show. WakeUpAmericaShow.com About sex itself, the great promise of the sexual revolution you say it's becoming a rarer and more elite experience as our social structures revert to something that looks more like nomadic tribal life with no obligation to continue to support discarded concubines what do you mean by that she is a senior policy analyst at the independent women's forum her name is inez Stepman, and she's going to fill us in on tradwifery this morning She's you oh what did you oh what did you well, what did you guys think of Inez Stedman? Looks like the comment section over at Rumble.com got pretty spicy. <laughs> we all owe Mighty Megatron and, um, and Nan- uh, mommy and uh, Porkchop159, a debt of gratitude today. They have unlocked the bonus contents. I'm glad that this has been such a huge hit for you guys, that you've been enjoying this. I have been lovingly crafting these little mini documentaries as bonus content for the show with the caveat that it needs to be unlocked or it goes away forever. And so far, almost for an entire month, you all have successfully unlocked each little mini documentary piece of bonus content that I have produced for you. Thank you very much. This week's theme for our bonus content is Heroes of Liberty. And while the last two days may have been lesser known Heroes of Liberty, today's name is one that I think you'll recognize. I hope you enjoy, and we'll be right back. Hayek, and why was he a Hero of Liberty? Friedrich Hayek was a renowned economist born in Vienna, Austria, in 1899, celebrated for his contributions to economics and political philosophy, deriving from the Austrian School of Economics he championed free-market capitalism and critiqued socialism. Hayek, alongside Gunnar Myrdal, was awarded the Nobel Prize in Economics in 1974 for his groundbreaking work on price signal theories and the interplay between economic, social, and institutional phenomena. Educated at the University of Austria, Hayek earned doctorates in law and political science before furthering his studies at New York University. His early academic pursuits laid the groundwork for his future theories. In 1927, Hayek founded the Austrian Institute for Business Cycle Research. He later joined the London School of Economics and moved through prestigious roles, influencing economic thought across Europe and America. Hayek's experiences in World War I deeply affected him, steering his academic focus towards economics to prevent future conflicts. His international career path reflected his diverse influences and contributions. He was honored with the Nobel Prize for his innovative analysis of money and economic fluctuations, marking him a key figure in the 20th century economic thought. The Road to Serfdom, Hayek's seminal work, critiqued the rise of fascism and socialism, drawing from Alexis de Tocqueville's ideas. This book reached a wide audience, emphasizing individualism and classical liberalism. Hayek's bibliography spans various topics, including individualism, capitalism, and the structure of the mind, showcasing his broad intellectual pursuits beyond just economics. Queen Elizabeth II and Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher recognized Hayek's contributions, awarding him in the Order of the Companions of Honor. He also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Hayek's Nobel Prize was in recognition of his theories on money and economic fluctuations, a testament to his significant impact on economic science. Hayek firmly believed in the power of free market capitalism to foster creativity, innovation and prosperity, critiquing Keynesian economics and socialism for their limitations on economic freedom. Definitely a capitalist, Hayek's advocacy for free markets was a cornerstone of his economic philosophy, positioning him against prevailing 20th century economic policies. Hayek's legacy as a pivotal social theorist and political philosopher is underpinned by his theory on the role of price signals in economic planning, earning him a Nobel Prize and enduring influence in economic thought. Oh, well, what
2: did
0: you- Oh, well, what did you, well, you think? Friedrich Hayek is the fourth hero of liberty in the series for this week. Thank you all for watching and tuning in and enjoying. It's certainly been exciting to see the great response and feedback that we've gotten from our little mini documentary bonus commentary series. My buddy Gage loves to listen to us from Montana. If you're listening this morning, Gage, good morning, good morning. How you doing, Casey, brother? Nice to nice to have you here with us. If not, you're listening. I'm speaking to a ghost. But uh, Casey sent me a text message a couple weeks ago. He's like, I thought this bonus content was just gonna be such a joke, and blah blah blah. Oh, yeah, well, joke's on you. We be unlocking them bonus contents every single day.
2: Uh,
0: I it... <laughs> appreciate that. We are saving up, of course, for Baby P for Liberty. <laughs> Joining us very soon on the show. Well, he'll be with us, or she'll be with us here tomorrow. We don't know yet the gender. <laughs> well, that's the... Baby P for Liberty is what we call them. They, them. We don't know the gender yet, but we're not waiting for the kindergarten teacher to decide. We're them No, no, no. We're letting the doctor tell us. And Stephanie's birthday is the Ides of March, March 15th. So just a couple weeks from now, uh, we get to go to the doctor, we get to find out the gender. And then on her birthday, she's going to be on the show Freedom Family Friday. Just happened to work out that way. So the day after we find out the gender, guess who are going to be the first people to find out? After our immediate family, of course. It's you guys. That's how much we, re- we, li- we love our audience. Uh, very uh, briefly, before I get back to the news real quick, I just want to talk to you guys personally for a couple of minutes. Because I was watching this video the other day that was talking about the collapse of the influencer economy. And, you know, it's scary stuff. Especially because I've sort of staked my family's future on this small enterprise, starting this business, a podcasting business and, you know, a coffee business and our online merchandise store in the hopes that we grow, we build an audience, uh, we get enough customers to keep us profitable and to continue to reinvest back in the business so that we can build a Liberty Network, something like a a libertarian daily wire, right? But there's always the chance that you might fail. And a lot of people do. Most people cannot make it in this business. Most people are not going to be able to hack it. And the thing is, is there has been this huge influx of creators who have joined YouTube and Instagram and uh, Twitch and Rumble who I'm in competition with that are hoping to get a piece of the what is expected to be $500 billion economy by 2027. Some people are going to make it and some people aren't. And in this video, when they were talking about who was going to make it and who wasn't going to make it, they noted the, the, the difference between successful people in this industry and fail, people who are going to fail. And the thing that they said that would be the sign of success is that the people who will be successful are going to be the people who actually build an audience that will go with them anywhere. They played a clip of Kevin Hart, the comedian, talking about um, you know how he's managed to be such a big success. And it's because he says... He's cultivated an audience. He's built a group of people that will go with him, that will watch his content uh, anywhere that he goes. And obviously, I'm never going to be, you know, Kevin Hart, right, with, like, you know, a $50 million uh, man. But, uh, you know, to be able to make a living doing what I love and sharing the ideas of liberty with you, being able to produce little mini documentaries and full-length documentaries like I'm working on right now about the Battle of Athens, to be able to do this and to support my family, my wife, my late upcoming baby P., uh, that is a dream come true. Truly, it is, and I think that the reason I'll be successful is because I work very hard to build actual real life uh, relationships with you to try and get on a first name basis with you, Nancy, with you, Quest, uh, with you, Doug or AKA Dug, right? Uh, John and KC, right? Phil McCabe, uh, to try and build an actual relationship with you uh, in the hopes that this audience continues to grow and we build these these relationships that are true relationships, true friendships. For example, Stephanie and I last year, we got to meet several of you in person for the first time. We did a little canoe trip and got Team Liberty together and, uh, and it had a really good time. So my hope is in, in the coming years that I'll survive the, the crunch, the eventual, uh, because everything that goes up must come down. Uh, I'll survive the uh, you know the the surge of influencers that are working their way into this market to get a piece of this pie by building real relationships with you, building an audience that, even if there's two hundred and three people watching the stream live, which I'm thankful to see, and I think are good numbers to be streaming live, that that will be enough to build a small media business that advances the ideas that we care about always first. Uh, and is able to create jobs. And that's really where I'd like to go someday. And obviously, uh, you all know how grateful I am because I say it as often as I can, but I will never stop saying it. And somebody texted me a few weeks ago and said something about how I I read the Rumble chat and talk to the audience directly. And they said that no matter how big the show gets, that they hope that I never stop doing that. And, you know, I was watching a video this morning about this comedian, Andrew Schultz, and they were saying about how fame really changed him and as he got bigger he really lost touch with who he was uh, and uh, uh, you know I'm going to work very hard to avoid that if I am as successful as as uh, you could be in this and it is a niche right it's not going to be the biggest niche in the world liberty news and politics will always be a niche but I think that there is a marketplace here a marketplace for these ideas and I intend to transact what do you say <laughs> where's Fort whistle Bruce, one of our new friends from Canada, he says, "Austin, just keep doing what you're doing. Being honest, truthful, and dedicated to integrity and character, you'll build a great business even here in Canada." Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Grateful to have you here. Uh, Phil McCabe says, "Many of the heroes of progress, human progress, is featuring were were by being inherently heroes of liberty too. You can find them profiled here." Well, thank you very much. CC twenty three, nice to see you this morning. (laughs) Grateful to have you. All right, let's get back to the news. Dr. Phil made a uh, splash the other day. He was, uh, uh, went on The View. He took aim at the lockdowns that forced children across the United States to study from home due to health concerns. Would you like to see uh, some Dr. Phil on The View?
2: What Melissa listen What he got to say? Like oh eight oh nine, smartphones came on and, and... Kids started, they stopped living their lives and started watching people live their lives. Mm. And so we saw the biggest spike and the highest levels of depression, anxiety, loneliness, and suicidality since records have ever been kept. Mm. And it's just continued on and on and on. And then COVID hits 10 years later. And the same agencies that knew that are the agencies that shut down the schools for two years. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Who takes away the support system for these children? Who takes them away and shuts it down? And by the way, when they shut it down, they stopped the mandated reporters from being able to see children that were being abused and sexually molested, and in fact sent them home and abandoned them to their abusers with no way to watch, and referrals dropped 50 to 60%. So it was also a yeah. pandemic.
3: Yeah, they were trying to save, trying to save kids' so lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died. During this. So it wasn't people weren't laying oh, around each on. but well, you know what? We're lucky. Maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could be be safe because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID?
2: I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group and they suffered and will suffer more. From the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact.
0: Well, man, they got an applause on there. Dr. Phil, where are you coming from with this? What, what is going on? What is going on, Dr. Phil? And I, I like how, I, you know, the, what's the the Latina chick was trying to get him there at the very and end. We're lucky and he,
3: they didn't because we kept them out of the. the the places that they could be, be sick, because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID?
0: Saying no school children died of COVID. Like how many school children died of COVID? Statistically insignificant. Well done, Doctor Phil. Some people they some people have to have the wool pulled over their eyes by others. Some people pull the wool over their own eyes. Here to discuss this story and more, including Google's Gemini artificial intelligence, uh, woke as hell is the anti woke warrior of the the day and age. She's Daniela Pensack. She's joining us live right now from the West Coast, which means it's two hour earlier there. Uh, two hours earlier there. Can we give it up for Daniela Pensack from Turning Point USA? What's up, Daniela?
3: Hello, Austin. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. But once again on Thursday thursday
0: on Thursday thursday it's been nothing That's but right. beautiful it's been nothing but beautiful women all morning this morning and we're glad to continue <laughs> that tradition daniela uh what was your reaction to this clip of dr phil on the view
3: well i do find it very interesting how quickly the uh panel the uh, panel hosts reacted it's interesting to see how they were agreeing with him up until he mentioned the obvious uh, said that the COVID lockdowns did indeed exacerbate these issues that these kids had with suicidality, depression and uh, due to their isolation. And uh, unfortunately they didn't want to hear it out. and it's interesting to see them scatter like rats when you you know open the door and let some light in uh, because it is a truth. that's what happened. you know and it's it's a natural it's the inevitable outcome of placing kids in isolation um, and, and to families where you don't know what's going on you know for long durations of time. Um, that's a natural outcome, and they just don't want to uh, understand it. They don't want to acknowledge it because it doesn't fit their narrative, unfortunately, for them. So, um, but it is a truth, and Doctor Phil is absolutely right. We did see a lot of issues when these lockdowns did happen, um, and uh, there was just a bit of cognitive dissonance, I think, that they were experiencing,
0: which they didn't want to acknowledge. Yeah, for sure. And the, uh, one of the hosts asks him towards the end of that clip, um, "Are you saying no school children died?" Uh And he, you know, he sort of corrected himself by saying, I'm saying that they were the least affected group, like obviously, but the thing is that that is a sign of what the left does. That is an example of what the left usually does, which is to take like one example, like maybe what one school child died, like maybe 10, it was totally statistically insignificant, but this is what the left does. They use outliers as the norm, don't they? In order to bolster their arguments.
3: Oh yeah, this happens uh, quite often. Um, another tactic that uh, progressives will do is that when you present them with uh, an obvious fact is that they'll play dumb and they'll try to like lead you into their question. And they'll ask you things like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? Or does that really happen? I don't understand a lot when you um, when you discuss certain topics. They they will play dumb um, or like you said, they will just completely change the narrative and, and act like, or they try to lead the question into suggesting that more than a few kids died when clearly uh if we try to remember covid which didn't happen that long ago um uh, they were the least affected group it's obvious uh, and that's not just covid it's with most illness or most uh, uh sicknesses um so i'm not surprised they would do that they also played them a little bit here uh because they're just trying to avoid avoid the obvious fact and what's also like concerning to me is that I mean, the country was in a major lockdown, and a lot of these people, for some, you know, it was scary. I think a lot of this, a lot of us experienced this, that everything just went back to normal, and no questions were asked—at least not, not from the other side. And it just kind of concerns me, thinking, well, how could all of this happen, you know, and not have them question what just happened and why it just happened.
0: Friend CJ eight two four over the live stream said, school children did die from suicide and depression. And as Dr. Phil had noted in that interview, he talked about children who were not being able to be protected from their abusers at home. The lockdowns were objectively worse for the kids than COVID-19. Isn't that true?
3: Oh, yes. Especially in terms of their education, Uh, the quality of um, the schooling has progressively went down um, kids, you know, test scores and the results of the kids, the, the children's education is also poor quality. Uh, I have family that works in public education, uh, particularly for an elementary school and, um, and here in the, in the west coast, you know, everything was completely shut down for quite a while. So a lot of it was remote learning. And the, uh, the stories what I hear from my family members is that it is just drastically, uh, was just poor quality education. The kids weren't learning anything. Um, there was little oversight as to what was happening, obviously, and how they were learning the the material. Um, and so, yeah, there is a, a, a the American education is already in a bad spot anyway. But COVID just made it much worse, much worse impact that what we needed. So, uh, yeah, that that much is obvious.
0: Just tuning in to the Wake Up America show. I'm speaking to Daniela Pensack. She works for Turning Point USA. Uh, Daniela, just real quick before we move on to the next topic. Did you get to see Javier Malay in person at CPAC?
3: I did. I did. It was very interesting. It Yeah, it was uh, I I really liked it just talking about. A lot of people complained though that his um because he used to be an educator, right? So, uh, it felt more like a lecture when he was speaking. <laughs> the and <Republican>
0: um <laughs> needed that.
3: Yeah, I know, right? It was like <laughs> it, he's definitely not like the rest of the speakers. I appreciated it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I heard some grumbling from other people saying, "Oh, well, it was too boring." I appreciated it. And it was he said a message that needed to be heard. But uh, yeah, it was really exciting. It was really exciting to see him in person. Too
0: boring. Afuera. Throw him up. They want. you know what they wanted? You know what he should have done probably because it was in it is in the United States after all. He probably should have brought his um his chainsaw out on stage. Oh man. That's now, so true. Yeah. That one, <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Bring the chainsaw out on stage. <laughs> right? But it's it was kind of like um it was kind of like his World Economic Forum speech, right? He gets up there yeah. and it, it was exciting. The World Economic Forum speech was a little more exciting just because he's like telling them like what shit leftards they are right to their right, faces. Right. More exciting for us. But for Republicans, the Republican Party could use a few lectures in economics these days. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like the new wave of Republican populism has replaced free markets with feels. Are you feeling me? Oh, yes. Yes,
3: Absolutely um and yeah i think you're right like americans were exposed to a certain side of javier with the chainsaw in media they don't think they really they don't really do deep dives on the guy right so when he did come up there a lot of them were not expecting uh the person that he really was right so um yeah it's quite interesting i think that's what it 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 engendered a, a reaction from people that i don't think they uh expected like um you know because we we are exposed to like just, you know, these these uh, quick snippets of who he is in, in Argentina when he was um, running. Uh, but it, yeah, it was like a complete flip from what they expected. And uh, it was just funny to see the reaction from people like, well, yeah, what do you expect? This is, you know, he's been educator This this is his field. He's interested in it and he's going to explain it in the way he usually explains it. Um, you're here to listen to the message. Not so much. I don't think the person, but a lot of people, especially Americans, we get caught up in like the cult of personality. Um, especially since Trump, which is uh, understandable, but it's also can be quite problematic for obvious reasons, like you
0: mentioned with the with the populism. Yeah, it certainly can. It can become quite toxic. And it's something that you got to watch out for. Uh, Daniela, um, the next story that you brought to my attention, something that we have talked about on the show, but I'm really eager to get your unique take on this one. Google's Gemini, which used to be called Bard, but it's essentially their new version of Their version of Chat GPT, right? Artificial intelligence uh, that you can use to not only do research or queries and run queries on, but also create pictures. Um, Something went horribly wrong (laughs) in last week with Google's Gemini. What happened?
3: Yeah. So uh, users have noticed while using Gemini, this new application, that. the it it would get it would give, for instance, I'll just give you an example. It couldn't define what a woman was. okay that's already going to have a lot of problems with a lot of the users, uh, especially of a certain political persuasion, um, obviously. But another thing I found also more interesting is that when you would ask the prompt to give a uh, or to illustrate a historical figure that you would ordinarily expect to be white, um, it would always be depicted as a minority figure or the opposite sex um like a founding father would be black, for instance, or uh an English monarch would be a black woman, um, or like uh like an English king. So there uh it ran into, people ran into a lot of problems. But ironically is that when you did ask for a historical figure that was that would be um black or Asian or some other minority, it would always be accurate. So there's obviously a bias in the programming of this application. And obviously you know, people are going to have problems with that. So the Google CEO has come out and has profusely apologized. He formally gave an um uh, an apology and saying that their team of experts are working around the clock to fix the issue. But you know, it the damage has already been done. Like AI is the next best thing since the internet. I feel like it's quite revolutionary in the in the world of technology, and uh, I think it's like it could be a game changer, a life changer, um in the upcoming uh, next few years. So, the fact that there is already, like, it's already heavily, obviously heavy, heavily politicized is scary because, you know, at least with the beginning stages of the internet, we didn't have that. Not a lot like today where everything's like heavily censored. But in the beginning stages of the internet, we did experience it was kind of like people refer to like the Wild West. It wasn't heavily politicized at all. Um, there was more free access, less censorship. But we're not going to experience that with ai at all um and i i think it's it's kind of worrisome that such applications that are so revolutionary in the world technology are going to be from the get-go so heavily politicized and trying to change
0: the narrative Um, for sure i think we all could have expected this was going to happen but uh but the thing that's really different now uh, as opposed to 5 or 10 years ago artificial intelligence has been in use for a long time but it's really only been available to major corporations right. or it's only operated in a way that we were not necessarily directly make, taking advantage of it but it was powering all of our applications and our dating apps and uh, you know everything that we were doing online was being used by you know ai was uh, was powering it now the individuals can actually directly interact with the AI. We can ask it questions. We can have it create for us. Uh, and frankly, uh, you know, I'm very techno optimist. So I think that there are a lot of positive aspects for all the negative you know, possibilities of AI, such as the one that we're currently experiencing right now. I do happen to think that it's going to make things better. Even if some people do lose their jobs, I think that it's going to offer us a a, a reorganization Of jobs that, for example, I was at an airport uh, about a month or so ago, and I was speaking to a woman who was in the twilight of her career. Maybe she had another five years or so to go, uh, and she said uh, her job was medical editing. And I immediately thought to myself, "Medical editing." So I asked, "That's got to be a job that's going to be replaced by AI." So I asked her what she's doing, and she's like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm putting together." you know, uh, uh, putting together editorials into a magazine and spell checking them and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, is, is that something that's under threat by AI that job? And she's like, no, she's like, I do spell checking and I've checked for grammar and things like that. And I was kind of like, all right, I didn't want to ruin her day, but essentially <laughs> the things like that, those are the kinds of jobs that, that you can replace by AI. Like literally a, a year ago, I had to, I hired someone, Daniela for, uh, to work for me, And they didn't last very long. Uh, I couldn't train them successfully to do what I needed them to do because it was just taking them way too long and they would make mistakes and spelling errors and all these things. And I paid thousands of dollars a month to hire this person and then train them. And it didn't work out. Now I pay hundreds of dollars a month to have AI do what I would have paid someone thousands of dollars to do. Uh, Tyler Perry, you know him from like Medea and all of those, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those films that he does. He was actually uh, preparing to invest in a massive production studio for all of his new TV and film productions he was doing. He canceled the production of his new studio because he saw uh, the new uh, Chad GPT project that's coming out called Sora, where it's actually creating these, these very hyper realistic videos uh that are studio quality looking videos. And I mean th- it's gonna revolutionize the film industry, television, obviously what we do in the media, for example, it's it's a complete and total revolution. And it seems to be occurring every single day. But on the um the cultural part of this, Danielle, and this is what I'd like to have you speak to, here's where I see the problem. And you as a more libertarian leaning conservative, I imagine probably would agree with me, but I, I'd be curious to get your take on this one. Conservatives complaining about the rise of AI, woke AI, have been behind the ball on technology ever since it first came out. And part of it is because, and I know you probably don't agree with me on the religious issues uh, per se, but when everything new that comes out, that's technology, is the devil or satanic, and you eschew it, and you push it aside... And progressives who don't have those same fears or compunctions are are going to take advantage of new technology when it comes out. Conservatives are destined for failure when it comes to AI because they're, they, they are not forward thinking by design. It's it's a feature of conservatism, not a bug. Am I correct?
3: You're absolutely correct. And I'm glad you're saying this because I have feel the same way um, strongly, especially about Christians uh, for a long time. Um, I am big in the sciences. I'm big in technology. I think that we should focus on advancing those aspects of our society. The only problem, and you're right about this, uh, to a degree, but the only problem is that a lot of those projects are funded, um, by, uh, they're funded to have a specific outcome. You know, we see this a lot with, 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 uh, climate change research, for instance. And so, um, you know, and this can bleed into other scientific projects as well and research projects and, um, Unfortunately, you know, I I don't know if this is the the main drive, but an aspect of that is because conservatives, especially conservative Christians, are very wary of uh, advanced technology or advancing technology. And that is a huge problem. Um, And unfortunately, especially with Gen Z and the last, uh, also what your, what the last uh, guest spoke on is this kind of return to traditional values, uh, which is counterculture. And that's what's attracting a lot of conservative, younger conservative people, which I think there is, um, there's a good reason for that to happen. But at the same time, a lot of this, uh, return to tradition meme uh, of attraction, I think is also motivated by this idea that we should reject, um, modern civilization or, you know, reject the advancement of technology, which is a big, uh, which is, which is a really bad idea. I think, um, because at the end of the day, like we're seeing with this woke AI programming, we're going to lose in the battle. And um, they are going to use things like AI or other forms of technology uh, in the in uh, affecting culture and shaping culture and the modern zeitgeist to their advantage. And if we want to be a part of the zeitgeist or make uh, uh, you know major changes as well, we kind of have to be part of the conversation. And to just pull ourselves away from that is a big mistake.
0: So um, AI is not going away. Yeah. It's not going right. away. It's here to stay. And even people like myself, who typically caucus with the Republicans and make common cause with the right, you know, people like myself, I'm going to be one of the biggest advocates for artificial intelligence because it has transformed what I do on a daily basis. You know, I have a viable business model because of artificial intelligence. I mean, people think these mini documentaries that I've been producing every day have been just gangbuster runaway hits with the audience. I couldn't produce five-minute documentaries every single day without artificial mm-hmm. intelligence and educate listeners and viewers about Friedrich Hayek and how he won the Nobel Prize and how World War One impacted him and pack all of that information into a five-minute package and then turn around and monetize that content on a daily basis. I mean, it, it, is, it is transformational to people like us. I wish more people who were of our ideology, who are of the right, like us, could see this because I feel though, like we are a very small and, and even diminishing movement on the right of forward thinking, you know, libertarian conservative types who actually want to embrace AI and be a part of it because I don't know if Elon Musk grok is going to take off, right? If his free speech version of artificial intelligence will take off, I hope that it does. But at this point right now, If I want to do the job that I'm doing here every single day and bring this content to the audience, I have got to pay Microsoft $20 a month for ChatGPT, GPT, mid-journey $30 a month, even though I can no longer produce images of Donald Trump or Joe Biden until the election is over, right? I've got to pay $50 to Adobe Express, uh, and I think they're far less woke. A lot of people are sleeping, this is just a side note, a lot of people are sleeping on when it comes to the big tech question on the company Adobe that produces like uh, Photoshop and uh, uh, Adobe Express, a lot of people are sleeping on this company because we always assume the big tech is woke. But when I go into Adobe and I'm creating the daily uh, uh, thumbnail for this show, they have like thousands of very intricate pictures of machine guns, like <laughs> the, like the big, scary, dangerous guns that I can use to put on t-shirts, create content around. And I mean, these are the kinds of guns that like, you know how Apple, or was it, I think Androids as well, they put like the little stupid squirt gun in there as an emoji. Like Adobe is like, oh, you want to make t-shirt designs with guns? Sure, here you go. Here's an M60 machine gun from Vietnam. You know, it's like bloody machine guns and stuff and all kinds of things. So um, somebody's going to write that story one day. I don't know who it'll be, but uh, Adobe is like, the one non-woke tech company, but they're unfortunately, they're, their AI kind of sucks. But on this topic of the cultural question of artificial intelligence, we've already sort of lost the war. Elon Musk is out there fighting the battle the best that he can. What do you think is the best conservatives can do at this point, or Republicans can do at this point? I mean, complaining on Twitter, listen, Google's going to go back to the drawing board, and they're going to fix it a little bit so that the founding fathers are white and all that stuff. But They're not going to change. They're not going to change their philosophy. I mean, what happens five, 10 years from now to to people like us who want to make silly pictures of Joe Biden for our daily libertarian talk shows? I mean, where do you think this goes, Daniela?
3: No, that's a really good question. I think it is going to be a big problem because, you know, inherent in the conservative ideology is the drive to preserve tradition and preserve an old way of life. And naturally, as we've seen with history and what we're seeing. Coming to fruition today is that um, it, there is a major rejection of, of advancing technology. That's just the case. Uh, well, it's not just so much a rejection as it is a fear, I think. It's more of a fear response. And conservatives typically are more about self preservation, um, individualism, but also self preservation and uh, preservation of their kin from external uh, changes and forces. And so it's going to be really difficult to get people in the conservative movement or of a conservative um, persuasion to even consider these things. I think uh, at the end of the day, it's just a matter of conversation um, and trying to trying to convince your fellow neighbor, your fellow conservative neighbor, that this is a good idea anyway, or at least we should try to capitalize on it. I think over time, you know, uh, what what happens is that they may reject it at first, but eventually they'll come around and they do adopt it and they do try to change it in their direction. Um, But uh, we're always or conservatives are typically always the last to make changes because we are so wary of technology. So, um, or new novel concepts like that. So, you know, I think it'll be a little bit of a while. I do think it's possible that they will come around because at the end of the day, we have no choice. Technology is always going to advance. Civilization is always going to change. Anyway, we have to adapt to it, but it's important obviously to continue educating ourselves and to still, you know, be, at the the front of it. Um, not every, not all conservatives are going to do that. And I think that's just unfortunately inherent in its ideology.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I dropped this in the chat just a couple of minutes ago. My thoughts on this AI is very much like an AR-15. Right? it's It can be used for good or right. evil. What matters is the person that wields it. But the pattern that I continue to see when it comes to technology and the conservative movement is this, that technology is invented by the socialists, by the leftists. Then conservatives come along and they take advantage of the technology later, and then they they don't control it, so they get you know algorithmically crunched, or they get pushed off, or their ideas are suppressed to an idea. Because what'll happen is it's like what Facebook used to do um, when Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire and Dan Bongino were all trending at the top of Facebook.com back in 2013. The left freaked out because when we're on even ground and we're allowed to compete with the left our logic and our ideas and our fundamental uh, concepts and principles win the argument. So what does the left do? They cheat, right? That's, that's how the left wins. So with artificial intelligence, I see us following the same pattern that the left creates the technology conservatives and libertarians like ourselves come along and make use of the technology. And, you know, I very successfully uh, uh, have been producing content for my show using AI in the last year, but when one of my podcasts got post uh, posted on linkedin.com where they shut that thing down so quick they can't have that oh, conversation yeah. with that picture of Joe Biden in a nursing home uh, on linkedin.com right because they freak out because we're a little too effective with yeah. with it and then they have to suppress us they have to cheat uh, it's a great conversation and one I imagine we're probably going to be having a lot in the coming years Daniela. but is there anything else that you'd like to add to this or put a button on before we let you go today
3: Oh, I don't. Is it just LinkedIn that your your stuff gets like completely flagged on? That's uh, that's so lame. In, I didn't
0: know in, that. Instagram as well. I have to be very careful okay. on Instagram. I can post whatever I want on Twitter. I, I have to be very careful what I post on Instagram. And I basically post almost nothing on LinkedIn dot com because right. it all my opinions are banned there
3: okay that's crazy i don't know linkedin was like that censored um Mm -hmm. okay well instagram that makes sense it's a part of meta so i had issues i even i had issues with them as well um well i don't have any major closing thoughts just you know once again let's be a little bit open-minded about technology like like that commenter said technology is a tool it's not inherently bad um that should be obvious especially for conservatives who love their guns you know it's a tool um so let's try to use technology in the same way but uh my closing thoughts is follow me on Twitter. It's at Pensac Daniela. I'd love to see you on there. And it's also official Daniela Pensack on Instagram, once again, if you want to see pictures of me. Um, so uh, I hope to see you there. Thank you for having me, Austin.
0: Hey, Daniela, it's great to see you again. We always miss you when you're not on the show. So thanks very much for joining us today. We hope to see you again real soon.
3: Yep. See you next week.
0: There you go. See you next week. That was Daniela Pensac. Give her a round of applause. Always appreciate her having on. Before you go today, don't forget to get yourself a box of Madisonian Morning Delicious Light Roast. Thank you to Erica this morning who signed up for our coffee subscription program. Yes. Did you guys know that if you love our coffee, you can actually have it delivered to your front door? We have, I think it's Will Run Riot, who loves our coffee so much. He gets that stuff delivered twice a week. Oh, baby, it's delicious. And you can get it delivered to your front door uh, once every two weeks. We call that a fortnight, uh, fortnightly, or you can have it once a month, uh, every two months or every three months. So if you love founding flavors, coffee, head over to AP and pick out your favorite coffee today and sign up for a subscription. We just got our very first five-star review from Madisonian morning. Before we go, I got to play this clip for you one more time. Donald Trump posted this video of Joe Biden walking across the tarmac needing to be assisted, and it just made me laugh so hard. Take a look
1: at oh, this. A special care and touch. Visiting angels care so much. Visiting angels. America's choice in home care.
0: Hey, <laughs> I'll send Joe Biden to America's the visiting angels. America's choice in home care. We need this energy back. We need this energy back in the White House. We need meme energy back in the White House. Give it up for Donald Trump, former and future president. <laughs> the Wake Up America show brought to you by viewers and listeners just like you. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. It's a two-hour live talk show. We're glad and thankful to have you here. It's nice to see all the new names and faces, especially like puns. A.J., Hans. It's my grandfather's name. We used to call him Hans. Hans. Hans Peterson. Hans. Very, uh, Danish name. Appreciate you guys. Before you go, don't forget to click the subscribe button if it is your first time here, because I'm not so vain as to say, oh, you're gonna remember me tomorrow morning and know where to find me. In case you forget, you're gonna want to click that subscribe button now, so that tomorrow morning, you're like, hey, I wanna listen to a fun, funny talk show in the morning that's gonna give me all the political news with great guests and tomorrow is my smoking hot redheaded libertarian pregnant wife joining us on the show for freedom family friday you know very excited for that Steffi p for liberty will be joining us on the show as well as my brother justin peterson excited for that he already sent me the story that he wants to talk about tomorrow and frankly it's hilarious i've been cracking up about it all week so i can't wait to talk to him about that freedom family friday tomorrow morning how do you find us you click subscribe Oh, and if you haven't already, you might want to tickle that like button as well. Don't forget, on the way out, visit the Grift Shop. That's right, the Grift Shop at AP4Libertyshop.com. That's AP the number four. AP for Liberty Sign up for one of those coffee subscriptions. Help send baby P for Liberty to college. <laughs> and we'll see you tomorrow on Freedom Family Friday on the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. Bye guys.
1: the expanse of time a year